What's going on? And welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, alongside my co-host Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com. Game number three tonight inside the Smoothie King Center at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. A sellout crowd expected for games three and four. Better be. With a series all knotted up at one. And as you heard the voice, that is Mark Spears, senior NBA writer for ESPN and Anscape. Uh, he joins us now. And Mark, yeah, it is a sellout crowd. You, you've been around as far as the atmosphere inside the Smoothie King Center for a playoff game. What what are fans, what are what are the Suns about to experience in games three and four? Because CJ talked about how he was in enemy territory in 2018 being in front of this crowd when they were swept by the Pelicans. Uh, what should fans expect here uh, in New Orleans over the weekend for such a big series? Uh, I actually tweeted out a couple of days that um, if, if you haven't been to a game in, in New Orleans, it's certainly one of the more unique places in, in the NBA, if not sports. Um, it's like a Mardi Gras atmosphere. Food is different, right? The food is different. Like, you know, you could get jambalaya, you could get a po' boy, get a daiquiri. Yeah. They got it's one, it's one thing to get a beer. It's another thing to get a, go to a bar where they really got some stuff in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like a, hur- a hurricane at the game. Um, even, even like, um, the security guards or the people that work in the arena are, like, passionate about the team. Like, it's funny. Every time I sit in the press row, there's this lady, man, she, she rides and dies with, with the team. Very, very passionate fans. Um, they just, the, to me, like, this is also exciting because there just hasn't been a ton to cheer about, right? Right. So I, I think finally, perhaps really for the first time since maybe even, like, mm, I don't want to say this. This is one <laughs> of the times, you know, you, you, you certainly had it when CP was there. Yeah, flashes of it when AD was there. But where you feel like, I think the excitement also comes to like, okay, this is something different. You know, that they're they're having success and Zion's not even playing yet. You know, and I think a lot, obviously Brandon Ingram's playing sensational, but a lot of credit has to go to Willie Green and CJ McCollum and the, and the front office for you know, hiring Willie and, and for being able to convince CJ that this was a great future place for him. And so I think for the first time in a while, I feel like this franchise is on stable ground. Like there's, you're not worried about what's going to happen to the coach. You know, you're, you're not laughing at the roster. There is a veteran that holds everybody accountable. Like it feels like a real franchise, but I'm not so much worried about what the fans are going to experience. I like what the television fans are going to experience because when they hear the bounce music, when they see the people going crazy, when they hear the roar, they're going to be like, you know what, man, we got we to gotta go see a game there. We got yeah. to, we, we got we to get to a game there. And uh, I, I would certainly encourage, um, fans from other cities to come um, because I also feel like um, New Orleans in a lot of ways gets an unfair rap, you know, for like, oh, they can't 
support this team. I'm like, come on, man. This team has just not been good. <laughs> like, you know, so it's 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 still relatively young and when you think of the the history of sports in that town. And as you could see, like even by the Oakland A's down the street at the at the if there's so much is there's if the roster's not good, there's instability in the coaching and the franchise and the GM, people don't come. Right. So now I think there's more of a sense like, all right, I'm going to invest my money in this and this is going to be exciting and it's, and then the atmosphere is fun now. And so from the moment you get in, whether it's on the floor or whether it's uh, at the concession stand or whether you see the, the band, uh, the brass band on the way in, you go, you're going to feel like you, had a good time and you got your money's worth. I know that was a long answer, but no, that's okay. Before I get to Jim, if I would have told you three weeks ago, I said, Hey Mark, guess what? Pelicans are gonna not only make the playoffs, but they're gonna be hosting games three and four after splitting the series with a number one seed. What would you have said to me a few weeks ago if I told you that was gonna happen? Put down your daiquiri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Put down your daiquiri, man. No, I I, you know, it's interesting, man. Like, my birthday's on on Friday. So a lot of people are like, man, why didn't you come out? Could have been your birthday. Like, I had to plan ahead, right? So how could I really plan ahead for this? Um, no one did. Yeah, like, think about it. You didn't know um, that those guys were going to make it to the plan let alone the playoffs until like the last day of the regular season. Right. Um, well, no, you knew they were going to make the plan, but like they had to win two games. Right. So, <laughs> it, I mean, it, I, I know I'm messing it up, but it, they had to get a, a victory to get into the playoffs. So this has um, been an incredible for them. Um, and I think Willie has done a remarkable job of like putting this picture up of the Phoenician, right? Is that was that the hotel they're staying at? Yeah. And, and like basically giving this team like a goal. Like we could do this. Like I, I still remember being around a team. In, in November in Phoenix or early December, the record was terrible. There was no Zion on the way and CJ wasn't even talked about it this time. And I just figured like, get myself ready for a doom and gloom environment when I had to go talk to coach, I had an interview with BI and all this stuff. And it was, BI was like positive. Coach was extremely like positive. I'm like, is this is this the same team that like on paper is like three and 16 or whatever they were. And they're just, there was a sense of like positivity and like, we're going to figure this out. It was like, it, it stuck with me as, as they kept knocking down barriers that they knocking down bricks as they got closer to, okay, we're four and 16 now. Okay. Now we're eight and 20, you know, like, as they kept inching back closer and closer, I kept thinking about their mentality early in the season when they were so bad, but yet they were so positive. 
that that's that's Willie Green, man. That's his faith. That's him as a person. That's the environment he grew up, you know, being coached by his uncle. Like he had speech they showed on TV. Incredible. Um, man, I wanted to go down there and give him five minutes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tear our breakaways off. Let's go. We'll do it for yeah, you. Yeah, all right. Um, so no, I I mean I I, I say that I probably think you were drinking, but maybe I'm the fool for not seeing it in November or December, whenever that was. Like, because I had never been around the team in 20-plus in years of covering the NBA that had such a bad record that had such positivity. Mm. And that that still, like, rings true to me. You know, Mark, I think you got at least eight to ten minutes in you. That, that That's my confidence level <laughs> yeah. I got five fouls that's what I only think I got you know it's funny I played college basketball many moons ago but when I look at the court now I'm like dang how did I used to run up and down that man that looks so far I get winded walking from my car into the building so I don't yeah, know how it yeah, is like, you know these guys do it every night it's run. crazy being a big man you had to run baseline to baseline no thank you i was i was a shooter as was daniel and i stand at the three-point nba three-point line and i'm like man this is far so what you said yeah man you you guards man you guys fake everybody out because you you don't have to unless you're like steph curry running off of screens or reggie miller you guys aren't running as far as the bigs are man That's Big a good point. Good when when Jim and I would play pickup together, we're guarding each other. We kind of had that agreement, like, "Hey, you're not running on this position, are you?" Or he's like, "No." I'm like, "All right, let's just stand here and take a break yeah. while everyone else runs the play." The, the late great Seku Smith, man. I remember we played pickup ball like early 2000s. I'm like, Seku, you gotta you, you gotta leave the circle at midcourt, man. You can't just like run around right there and act like you're doing something, man. Like. <laughs> Exactly. Gotta, like, at least go by the basket sometimes, you know. <laughs> Mark, one of the things that you said that uh, I was laughing to myself about was uh, you talked about the passion of, I think it's the usher that you were talking about that's in the Smithy King Center. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Unfortunately, the next time that you come to a game, I'm not sure you're going to see her because we had some complaints from visiting media. And so I think they had to kind of do some personnel and lineup changes and move her around. So I think she's in a different part of the arena now, but you know, that's, oh, man. why can't we have fun? You know, that's the kind of thing that gives we'll the complain. media that. I don't know who it was. That's well, let's, call, let's call him out right now on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember who it was. It, it might've happened more than once. I think, I don't think if one person had complained, they would have done it. Oh, I loved it. Oh yeah. It. I loved so, you it. know, I would always go talk to her and I loved her passion. I didn't have no problem with it. That's that's how that's how media gets that's, a bad that's rap. A, that's people no one that wants are to have any fun. Writing on deadline, nervous yeah, writing probably. on deadline. Right? When your yeah. skills lack as a journalist, then then you let things like that bother you. <laughs> so you guys find out who it is, and I'm gonna let them know. Um, in terms of the, the the Pelicans and the team, and you know what you got to experience, I was wondering what your what are your impressions of the of the rookie class that they have? The I mean, there's very few teams that we've ever seen that have had three rookies have yeah. this big of a role in, in pressure situations with 
um, Jose Herb and, and Trey Murphy. What, what, what's been your um, impressions of what you've seen from those guys so far? Man, um, you know, one thing I'll tell you, Trey Murphy came and introduced himself to me. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, that doesn't happen too often. It's actually happened twice this season. Big kid from um, the Rockets, the rookie. You guys remember his name? Um, Shingun? Shingun? Shingun. Yeah. Shingun did that too. Mm. And like pulled me aside and wanted to ask me some questions. But I think somebody put him up to it, said, you know, you might want to talk to this man. Mm. Um, but yeah, Trey Murphy, when I was at visiting Team Hotel, he came and introduced himself. I'll never forget that. Um, and, uh, but he's been great. Uh, offensively, all three of them have made an impact. Big fella, special man, long. Um, and then, you know, kid from Georgia Tech, man, he just has this energy about him, this, mm-hmm. this, this spirit about him. Kind of reminds me a little bit. I mean, obviously, they're just different players, but kind of like a Toscano Anderson. You know, at yeah. Golden State, where he just comes in a game and nobody gave him nothing, so he's leaving everything on the floor, right? Sure. Um, so that's that's another credit, you know, to the to the front office, you know, for picking those guys and and getting value this quick. Like when I watch them play, they don't look like rookies now. Um, I think all of them have to be a little bit kind of, I would say, a little careful about end of the games to me. It's like, if it ain't CJ or uh, B.I. shooting, then <laughs> like, you hit. The, the, so you, you almost have to worry about those kind of mistakes late in games. Like, to me, those need to be the only two people touching the ball in close games, right? Sure. sure. But other than that, I think they've been sensational. You notice them when they come on the floor. They all make an impact. They're all confident. They're ballers, and they're going to make this team even better. They're even going to be better in the future. They're going to keep growing as players. And I think the question is, do you even bring them to summer league, right? Like, I always I always find it interesting this time of the year when you have guys that especially got some postseason time that were impactful. I think you bring them to summer league, and then maybe they play a game or two, I guess. But uh, extremely great picks, pickups. Because um, one of them wasn't drafted, right? So right, Jose and, wasn't drafted. Yeah. No. So mm-hmm. no, I mean, to get impact three impactful rookies, that that's not that's not normal. And that perhaps this might be the only team in the playoffs that could say that. Sure. You, Mark, you mentioned um, CJ and getting a chance to talk to him. I was wondering what was your reaction to when he was traded here and. What have you seen from him in terms of just the impact that he's made and how well he's played since he's come to the Pelicans? Um, you know, you know, like um, I feel like I know New Orleans pretty well, right? And I think character, people that care about the community, but also can ball, you know, really means a lot to that city. And he just has that New Orleans spirit about him because – you know, CJ came from Lehigh. He he wasn't a high draft pick. Nobody's really given him anything. He's had success, but he hasn't reached the pinnacle. 
Um, he's always been because he's playing with such a great player. Like he's never been the face of the franchise, but he's also always been in the picture, right? But he's just the clutch player, great player, borderline all-star player who perhaps here will, will become an all-star and just, just great work ethic, great leadership, just somebody that impacts a young player's career for years. And when I say that is work ethic, teaching you to have respect. And he, he's even to the point where he's like, hey, man, when, when you're done with your stuff, your clothes and stuff, throw them in a hamper. Don't respect people. Tell them, tell them hello. Tell them thank you. You know, that that just shows, you know, and, and when you learn those kind of things from somebody that you respect, it only makes you better. So the impact that he's going to have on that franchise on and off the court in the locker room is going to pay dividends. Even if he's there for seven years, it's going to pay dividends years later. Um, because he's just, if, if you have, if you have great character at your, at your star positions, because I know a lot of teams that don't, you know, and you can, and, you know, I, I remember covering, there've been players that I've covered. I'll say this, that because the star didn't have good character, it rubbed off on some of the young players. Yeah. Like that, that was their example. And they ended up learning later that, no, that that's not the right example. Um, once they got more mature. So to have a very great, solid example, somebody that wants to be there for the rest of his career, uh, a great player, like that, the, the key thing is wants to be there. Like CJ could have went somewhere else. He didn't have to go to New Orleans. Like he handpicked New Orleans, which, you know, I think is really, really interesting, like how he came to that decision, how he saw what he saw in BI. And and I also think he's gonna have not not that he's look, he's not a guy that looks for credit either. Like he bought y'all lunch, right? He put some yeah. food trucks out there and he wasn't looking for publicity for it. And that's just something he wanted to do. Um, but ultimately, I think years from now, assuming that Zion's going to get healthy, like CJ is going to have an amazing, positive, great impact on him that uh, I think will, will, will do that young fellow a lot of good, a lot of great. Yeah, you know, Mark, I think, CJ's obviously only been here for basically two and a half months, but the appreciation level for him in the city, I think, is extremely high, sky high right now. So I, I'm, I'm with you on all of the stuff. And I think it's going to get higher as people get to know him better. Sure. The ace is cat, man. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Last thing for me before I go back to Daniel, um, I think a lot of people across the league or media people really didn't necessarily think that the Pelicans short term were going to be a force, but obviously through the first two games, it looks like they might be able to do more damage short term than, you know, a lot of people projected, but I, I was wondering, I mean, long-term into, I guess, starting with next season, what do you think the potential of this team is when you get everybody in the fold in terms of what this, what they might be able to be capable of doing down the road? Scary. Um, intimidating. Um, 
they'll be one of the elite teams in the West. Um, but help, I mean, obviously, you got to be healthy. Sure. Because all the young guys are going to be much better because of this experience, man. They're, they're accelerated now. They're Like I said, they're not rookies anymore. They're second-year players now. They're accelerated. CJ is going to be more comfortable. B.I. is happy now. Like, I could tell, like, there's a different bounce about them. There's a different happiness about them. They love their coach, man. They love their coach. And here's the thing. Now, free agency will be like, you know, I'm, I think I'll go there now. I like I like CJ. I, li- I like B.I. I love Willie Green. Like, you got to keep in mind the potential free agents. And, and, and that doesn't mean that it's a – uh, A-list free agent, but that really good, you know, complimentary player could could even take you to a higher level. So perhaps there's some other people coming in the door now because it seems like a cool, a good place to go. So I'm I'm excited to see what the roster is next year and um, you know how them guys are, assuming that they're healthy. That you no, know, this. Um, this ain't no pushover franchise anymore. It's certainly on the right track. And uh, I, I can see a lot of national TV games coming back and not just because of, of a, a, a promising young player. Like there, there's going to be other reasons to come there. And, and you know, the f- fans got to gotta be on this bandwagon too and get in because I think it's going be, to be fun to watch this growth. Before I let you go, we're talking with Mark Spears. Um, now with the Devin Booker injury, how does your outlook on the series change in your perspective as these two teams are evened up 1-1 heading into tonight's game three? Uh, we don't know how long Devin's going to be out, but with the fact that the Pelicans were able to get one on the road, but how much does that injury change your outlook on what could happen in this series? He had 31 in the first half last game. Yeah, we know. <laughs> um, this is a guy that in my opinion probably may have very well if I did vote still would have gotten my MVP vote it's a huge loss and Pelicans can't feel sorry for him you know what I mean it, it is what it is like you have to I really think that the Pelicans need to win both of these games you're at home they lost their best player Obviously, Chris Paul is Chris Paul. Aiden is Aiden, and Bridges is Bridges. But you have to take advantage of the situation. And um, I, I see this team growing in confidence. I, you know, Bi is becoming a superstar now. Superstars are built in the playoffs, and this is his first taste of it. And he he certainly is 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 looking amazing. What are you at thirty seven? Yeah, almost um, a one assist away from a triple double. Yeah. Um, he has to be special. He and I and I think he'll be that at home. I see a different. The one thing I always thought about Bi is man, if he ever got aggressive, he ever got aggressive. He and and I see that in him now, just a different aggression. Um, I, I told Willie. Willie asked me if I was uh, going to come out to New Orleans, and I said for Game Six I will. So, yeah. right now I feel like it's. I haven't bought a ticket yet, but I, I think uh, there's a realm of possibility that the morning of game six, I'll be out in the bayou trying to pull in some redfish. 
All right. Good deal. Well, we hope to see you there. Hopefully to see. That's my plan. That's my plan. I might be a little tired at the game, but. Uh... That's okay. Well, priorities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Selfishly, I hope that you, I don't see you at the game for game six and that this is done in five for the Pelicans. I'm just, yeah, I'm being get, greedy. Hey, don't, don't, I'm don't being get, greedy. Don't, don't. One at a time, greedy. baby. Well, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they still got Chris Ball, man. Don't forget that. Oh, absolutely. This, this is going to be a series, and uh, and I've been telling people, hey, too. If you, I mean, be happy if you see me on game six. I will. I will give you a big hug. Absolutely. Yeah, remember, like, don't. These are still the West champs, man. And no, that I I I was joking. No, don't take it lightly. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. They're still a very deep team. They, these this team has won plenty of games without Devin Booker. They've won plenty of games without Chris Paul, and they've won plenty of games without DeAndre. So absolutely, this is far from over. It's only the beginning, but I feel like now it gets a little more interesting for games three and four. That's Mark Spears, senior NBA writer for ESPN and Anscape. Mark, I really appreciate the time as always. I can't wait to see you. In next week for game number six, and we'll talk and to you I, then, my I, friend. I, I come into the game, you guys see my pictures of IG, like holding my fist up <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Yeah, a little, little tired. I, I give me some of that chicory coffee, wake me up. You're golden. You're all set, man. Mark, Ready thanks again. Game. Absolutely, Mark. Thanks again. Appreciate the time. All right, fellas. Always a pleasure. Always great having Mark Spears on from ESPN and Anscape as we wrap up this game day edition of the Pelicans podcast. Game number three tonight inside the Smoothie King Center as this game and game number four are officially sold out. More on that in just a second. But we ended, Jim, with the fact that Devin Booker will not be playing most likely in game number three and game number four. And I know the Suns are still a very deep team. And I was joking about wrapping up this thing in five. I'm very realistic. I think the series is going to go long potentially, but who's going to have to be that guy that makes up for Dem Booker in those, I'm not going to say the 31 points, but Dem Booker is clearly capable of throwing up more than 31, but who's going to have to be that guy that has to step up or is it going to take a team effort to try to pull in whatever Devin Booker is able to produce? Yeah, I think it's going to be a committee thing, but honestly, like that sounds like a negative on its surface, but really it's more about just how good Phoenix is overall and the de- the depth that they have the number of players that they have that are above average is a big reason why they went 64 and 18. I mean, this is not, even though I'm sure super casual fans um, only think of Devin Booker and Chris Paul and maybe eight in a little bit. I mean, they have a bunch of other guys that I think can go off and have huge nights. Um, Cam Johnson is one of those guys. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, I mean, great defensive player, but he's also capable offensively of hurting you and had his, uh, his best season offensively this year in the NBA. A um, couple other guys they have off the bench. Um, Landry Shamit always scares me for some reason. It seemed like early in his career, he had a couple huge games against the Pelicans when he was with Philadelphia. You can't leave that guy open or he'll go on a run. Um, Jay Crowder is another guy. I don't think he's necessarily had a great offensive season, but um, another spot-up shooter that can get on, get on a roll. Um, campaign we saw especially last season he had his breakout year as their backup point guard um, so I mean they have a bunch of guys that, that you have to worry about and um, like you said I mean in every cert you don't go 64 and 18 especially in the NBA in 2022 without being able to overcome circumstances where you have players injured or guys you know hopefully we don't have this too much going forward but COVID obviously affected the last couple seasons so, I mean, they, no matter who was in the lineup, they were able to win games. 
Um, they were eight and six during the regular season, I believe, when Booker didn't play. So it definitely affected them to an extent. Um, but it's it's just a it's a dangerous team. And I mean, to be able to win both of these games, I know the players and coaches have to look at it one game at a time, but we don't. But for it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot to be able to win both of these games this weekend. But but it would be a, a massive accomplishment, as Mark said, that he thinks that they are in a position where they really need to win both games. But they just won in Phoenix, so I think that's also good that they showed that they yeah. can win on the road. And if if they have to win another game in Phoenix, they've proven that they can do it. Absolutely, great points there from Jim. Before I let you go here, as our Zoom is telling me to wrap things up. Look, we announced. Pelicans officially announced a sellout. I mentioned red shirts on both games, one NOLA for game number three, and then you got a fight in game number four, the shirts. That's what they'll say. I mean, I am so pumped again. We both were here in 2018. We've both been here a very long time, but we've experienced very few playoff experiences, unfortunately. But the crowds for these games, Jim, I know I'm in the studio, so I won't be able to embrace how much the sound I'll be able to hear it through the airways. But just how pumped are you to be inside that arena for games three and four? With everything going on in the city this weekend, French Quarter Fest is a classic. You have two sellout games here. This fan base is fired up. How fired up are you for tonight? And Big time. Tonight? Big time. I mean, to me, this is reminiscent of 2018. I mean, we, in terms of the most recent playoff appearances, they also made it in 2015, but they were down 2-0 when Golden State came back here to play game three and four that year. 2018, you're up 2-0 going into the games against Portland. And I think that amped up the enthusiasm and the energy and the optimism even more because you knew you're already in good shape. Um, I think this is similar in that people would have been fired up and going crazy, even if the Pelicans were down 0-2. But to be able to get that win against Phoenix in game two, when you have everyone across the country saying, ah, the Pelicans are going to get swept. If they win a game, they might win a game, but it'll be at home. So for them to already have gotten into the win column is huge. And I, as I tweeted after, right after the win on uh, Tuesday night, um, I, it's, I can't even comprehend how loud it's going to be and how, how excited people are going to be. You also have an 830 start. So, I mean, there's plenty of time to get there. there. We won't have to worry about late arrivals and that kind of thing with people just getting out of work. So I can't wait. And I know people, everyone that roots for this team can't wait as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it'd be a great point. I think the 8.30 tip actually is going to help this crowd, especially on a Friday and a Sunday night when there's plenty to do. You can go to French Quarter Fest. You can go check out some golf for a little bit and then have plenty of time to come in. There'll be a fan fest tonight from 6.30 to 8. We'll be outside. Hope you can join us. Valley Sports will also be somewhere around the arena, so make sure to stop by and say hi to Aaron Hargan and Dave Wesley and that entire crew. Make sure if you're not there to watch it on Valley Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans. 100.3 100.3 FM. If your last resort is national television, ESPN will have the broadcast on Friday and TNT will have it for you on Sunday. We'll have another podcast for you on Monday, hopefully recapping two huge wins over the weekend. Have a blast this weekend. Enjoy it. And we'll talk to you then for Mark Spears, for Jim Eikenhofer. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.